0: Hello Rebels, you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favourite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, another climate catastrophe conference kicks off on Sunday in Glasgow, Scotland. And, hoot check out who's flying all over Europe, telling others to reduce their carbon footprints while he ramps up his own emissions. Yes, that would be none other than Justin Trudeau. Sheila gunn Reid shall try to explain the hypocrisy of a prime minister who preaches do as I say, not as I do when it comes to climate change. And say, when you go to a restaurant to pick up some takeout grub, you certainly don't expect to get grilled about your vaccination status, right? But such was the case at a Quebec subway franchise. And if you didn't have your papers or your QR codes, then no soup or no sandwich for you. Alexa Lavoie will try to make sense of it all. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about my interview with Toronto Police Detective Constable Adrian Galvassi. She's now under investigation herself by the Toronto Police. Her alleged crime? She spoke at a freedom rally last month in Toronto, out of uniform and on her own time. And she might even face dismissal for doing so. Hey, whatever happened to freedom of speech and freedom of expression? Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up.
1: Friends, it's the spooky season when all the little ghouls and goblins come out to scare you. Oh, I'm not talking about Halloween, although Halloween is also very quickly approaching. No, today I'm talking about the UN climate change conference and it takes place at the end of the month in glasgow now you might see this globalist shindig referred to as cop 26 that's the conference of the parties the 26th iteration of it and it's where all the fancy people from all around the world get together behind closed doors behind security barriers and walls to decide how you the little people how you're going to live your life how much more expensive It's going to get, and how much you need to tithe of your hard earned money to the Church of Mother Earth to be a good, dues paying congregant in their little doomsday cult. Between 30 and 50,000 climate change activists, bureaucrats, and politicians, and I say that as though they are distinct groups, but you know, the Venn diagram of those three groups is more like a circle. Anyway, All these people every year converge on a city around the world, except for last year because of what they keep telling me is a real existential threat, you know, COVID, that caused them to cancel their party. Now, these people all engage in transcontinental airline travel to go to a conference that could very easily be held via Zoom to tell you that driving your SUV to take your kids to hockey or soccer practice is the reason they think the earth is dying. And we also only have 12 years or 10 years or five years left or whatever the latest doomsday timeline is offered to us by teenage climate scolds who've never held a real job or paid a tax or done without anything. Now, not one to miss a chance to tell the world what an environmentalist he truly is, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is also on his way to Glasgow too. Take a look at this globe-trotting itinerary. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau today announced that he will travel to Europe for a bilateral visit to the Netherlands before participating in the Group of 20, or the G20, Leaders' Summit in Italy and the United Nations Climate Change Conference, COP26, in the United Kingdom. Boy, that's a lot of travel. The Prime Minister will travel to The Hague, Netherlands, on October 29th, 2021, where he will meet with Prime Minister Mark Rutte, and other Dutch representatives to discuss both countries' shared priorities and to further the strong ties between Canada and the Netherlands. Oh, then, we're not done. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will then travel to Rome, Italy, October 30th to 31st to attend the G20 Leaders Summit. The Prime Minister will highlight Canada's contributions to the global COVID-19 pandemic response and economic recovery, including support for low- and middle-income countries not canadian low income families anyways he will also highlight canada's ambitious actions to cut pollution while creating new middle class jobs and accelerating the transition to clean energy oh he's he's doing that is he following the g20 leaders summit prime minister trudeau will travel to glasgow united kingdom from november 1st to 2nd 2021 to participate in COP26, that's the UN Climate Change Conference. They just like to use that fancy acronym for some reason. At COP26, the Prime Minister will work with other leaders to accelerate global climate action to reduce pollution and meet targets outlined in the Paris Agreement while creating economic growth for everyone. He's not going to do that. At the conference, he will also highlight Canada's leadership in the fight against climate change. This includes setting a strengthened 2030 emissions reduction target, putting a price on pollution, passing legislation to require net zero emissions by 2050, and doubling, doubling people, Canada's financial contribution to support climate action in developing countries.
0: Wow, that's a whole lot of traveling Justin is doing in order to convey a whole lot of virtue signaling. But wait just a second, all this jet setting will result in a whole lot of completely unnecessary carbon emissions why doesn't the prime minister lead by example by s- staying off his swang jet and attending these meetings via zoom or skype but no justin trudeau he just loves being an international globetrotter carbon footprint be damned as a certain swedish climate huckster would say how dare you and joining me now for more on climate hypocrisy to the power of infinity is our chief reporter, Sheila gunn How you doing there, Sheila?
1: Hey, David, thanks for having me on the show. This was such a fun story to do because the one thing that makes the constant scolding about climate change tolerable is running around and pointing out the hypocrisy and being smug about it. And so I really enjoyed that.
0: And you do it so well, my friend.
1: But (laughs) Sheila, I
0: don't get it. As you pointed out in your piece, last year's climate catastrophe meet and greet was done remotely due to COVID-19. But wait a second. I thought with all this masking and social distancing and mandatory vaccine passports that are now in place, I thought COVID is still a clear and present danger. So how do these bigwigs justify this mass gathering in the first place?
1: They don't have to justify it. We're just the little people who foot the bill for it all. It's how you know that they don't believe Any of these things are existential emergencies. They didn't know a lot about COVID last year, so they went online. Okay, great. Now you know it's doable online. At least, you know, when you're going to make these backroom decisions to control my life, you can at least practice what you preach, but they're not doing that this year uh, because um, apparently COVID is not the existential crisis that they keep telling us It is because it's only meant to control our lives, but they gave themselves exemptions for gathering for this conference. But they also don't think climate change is the existential crisis that they keep telling us it is because every single year... Thousands, tens of thousands of these people hop on planes, fly from all over the world, converge on a city, have a bunch of high carbon parties, decide how your municipality is going to run its recycling program and the building codes that mandate low flow toilets and low flow showerheads. all the things that really affect you on a day to day basis are decided at these things and they fly in to do it. So they must not think that the. the climate is changing in a way that will see us all come to an untimely end uh, in 12 years or 10 years or whatever some little teenage girl is yelling at us about now.
0: Well, it's gone from a little teenage girl to a um, CGI uh, raptor. Uh, we, we, we talked about that ad the other day on, uh, uh, on the live stream. Uh, a dinosaur, a fake dinosaur played by Jack Black lecturing uh, humanity. Uh, don't make the same mistake we did in taking that uh, meteor for granted. Um, but I digress. Sheila, when you speak about the unnecessary carbon getting there by jet, That's just the beginning. And, folks, if you think Sheila is exaggerating, I can tell you both Sheila and I have been to these UN powwows before. Uh, Sheila in Germany, in Poland, uh, myself a few years ago, in Morocco – And it's so bad, isn't it, Sheila? We see seven passenger SUVs for the diplomats in which one person often is the only occupant being chauffeured around. But in between the chauffeuring around, they are sitting there, fleets of SUVs with V8 engines idling with the AC or the heating cranked to max lest the precious snowflake diplomat get uncomfortable. It is the worst misuse of carbon just to leave a vehicle like that idling and they idle fleets of it. Sheila, the optics and the reality stink. You would think if these people cared one iota about the message they're doing, they would walk the walk as well as talk the talk, but clearly they don't do that.
1: No, because they don't care. This isn't about the climate. The climate is just their vehicle to control your life in much the same way as COVID is the vehicle to control your life or has been for the last 20 months. It's about a a wealth transfer from wealthier countries to poorer countries, from wealthier people, which actually includes middle-class people to other people. Um, Transfer of wealth from the middle class, incidentally, to the government, and to businesses, um, they, they really don't care about these things because they don't walk the walk. And they don't even realize, you know, if you were a true believer in something, for example, I don't think it shocks anybody to know that I'm Catholic. And so I look at the world through a very specific lens, right? I see it with Catholic eyeballs. But these people don't look at the world through environmentalist eyeballs. They'll walk past the... Uh, acres and acres, and I'm not exaggerating, of idling buses and limos and not see anything wrong with it. They have environmentalists standing outside the conferences handing out um, you know, their doomsday cult literature about what you have to do to stop the world from ending. And it's all handbills, pamphlets, They're handing out these pieces of paper that get tossed into the garbage three feet ahead of them, and it's just overflowing out of the garbage. And they don't recognize the waste. They don't hear the persistent hum of the diesel generators um, powering their conference in Bonn, Germany. Uh, They didn't seem to notice the coal miners museum right next door when I was in Poland. Like, they don't see this stuff. And they don't see the hypocrisy because they don't actually believe in any of it. It's just the thing they need to control you and take your money away from you.
0: No, they are true elitists, Sheila. That's for sure. But at the same, by the same standard, my friend, I think there's a way to dial back the climate hysteria, the carbon taxes, etc. With a degree of grace. And by that I mean, even if you and I bought into man made climate change, even if we thought carbon taxes and carbon levies were a good thing, our elected officials could say, you know what? COVID-19 really threw us a curveball these past two years. Yes, climate change is a problem. Yes, uh, a carbon tax might be part of the solution. But now is not the time. We have seen trillions and trillions of economic damage done to the world economy. And we have to focus our attention on getting back to normal, getting back to business again. Surely, Sheila, this could be a way to downplay all this carbon hysteria
1: for them though they see covid as an opportunity Mm. for them they see okay well now we have these vaccine passports it's got your vaccine status on there Why don't we put your carbon status on there? It becomes a social credit program. They are already examining it. They see the economic downturn that hurts normal people, but not them because they're so rich and powerful. They're sort of insulated from it. They see the economic downturn as an opportunity. They look at it and say, oh, everybody was locked in their homes. And so carbon emissions went down. Let's just keep a good thing going. And on some level, I think that's why some of these people are so happy about lockdowns for us, not for them, um, because it's saving the earth. Sure, it's ruining your life, separating you from your grandparents and stripping you of any wealth you've accumulated in your lifetime. But look at Mother Earth is happy. So, I mean, they really don't see COVID as a as, you know, like, oh, we have lessons learned about how to hold conferences remotely. They don't look at it that way. They look at it as, ah, this we were able to lock people in their homes using what we told them was an existential crisis. Let's do it for this existential crisis, too.
0: You know, Sheila, you are so right. Because they are so elitist, That means they are insulated and that means they simply lack empathy for the common Joe and Jane out there working away, trying to pay a mortgage, trying to put ever increasing price groceries on the table. They have no commonality, they have no common ground with what the middle class is going through these days. A next question for you. You mentioned, and this is very important, I think, wealth transfer. Uh, when Justin Trudeau starts talking about carbon taxes, when Justin Trudeau starts talking about uh, accelerating the process to deadlines, be it 2030, 2050, what have you, um, I instantly grab for my wallet. I oh, yeah. think I'm going to be shaken down. Is there going to be some kind of awful surprise coming out of this conference, some statement by our prime minister who we both know likes to go off script when it comes to virtue signaling in terms of even more and higher taxes for Canadians?
1: Well, he's going to have to do something to keep all those promises he's going to make at uh, the climate change conference. He's already talking about all that Canada is doing to help the developing world fight climate change, where I would suggests that we need to do more to help the developing world get access to cheap, reliable fossil fuels so that they can lift themselves out of poverty, misery, and you know short life expectancies. But Justin Trudeau is already talking about that wealth transfer from Canadians who are struggling to recover from the economic devastation of the pandemic and who are dealing with skyrocketing inflation. He's going to take more of your money to give to, de- to the developing world, and he said as much when he announced his travel. So it, I guess get, grab your wallet. Hold on tight.
0: It never ends. Well, Sheila, it was a fantastic piece. And uh, on our way to Sunday, that's Halloween. I know you're a big Halloween fan. I want to wish I you am. a happy Halloween. But please, Thank you. for the love of God, Sheila, if you carve a jack-o'-lantern, don't put a candle in it. Think of the carbon footprint that paraffin candle is going to cause in your neck of the woods.
1: <laughs> I'm going to put a diesel generator in my pumpkin. <laughs> and in the other pumpkin, I'm going to put a big... Big lump of coal and light that up <laughs>
0: okay i bet you will do that sheila thank you so much again
1: thanks david have a great weekend
0: you too and that was sheila Gunreed, somewhere in the northern hinterland of alberta keep it here folks more of rebel roundup to come right after this
2: so hey alexa lavois for ribbon news i'm ian Kandiak. Because I heard that someone had been canceled from the subway just right there for just wanted to take a takeout because he didn't have the QR code. But you need to know that Quebec City take out and drive him through is still allowed for Vax and unvaccinated people. So you should not be canceled because you don't have your QR code. So I went there to discuss with the worker there and what they say to me is yesterday he was asking the QR code not because he needed to ask it but because he was curious to know who had the QR code because it was the first day it's not supposed to be because medical information is confidential if you not have a word reason to ask the QR code, or the proof of vaccination. So if a subway can do it, imagine how many businesses now who infringe the rule to ask the Vax Passport for maybe no reason to customer. So we need, please, to go and sign our petition, novaxpassport.ca, and please make sure to sign it to follow us and we need to send a message that we don't want the vaccine passport anymore because this kind of businesses can violate and infringe your rights anytime just because they are curious to know if you are vaccinated or not. Protect your information. Je l'aurai au okay. moins au dans le chat. Okay. Vous n'avez pas des sabots du
1: jour
2: c'est ce vous avez Bonjour. Vous n'avez pas des sabots du jour là ce Non, du jour, c'est quoi c'est, c'est quoi vous c'est La dinde. À dinde? C'est combien 12 pouces mm-hmm. C'est Euh, Suisse, s'il vous plaît. C'est Euh, oui, s'il vous plait fais Faites-tu ensemble les sandwichs? Euh, non. non. Vous êtes partout? Euh, euh oui. J'avais une question pour vous. J'ai une de mes amies qui est ici hier, euh, puis elle s'aurait fait refuser euh, d'être servie euh, pour, parce qu'elle n'avait pas son, son code QR. Ça ouais. se peut-tu que vous ayez fait, fait ça hier? Oui. Il y a deux semaines et de... on n'est pas vraiment obligé les installer. Il y a 14 jours de, de luxe pour que les restaurants ils set Oui, mais les « take et les « à l'auto yes, » pas supposé être obligé d'avoir un « copier » pour… Ah, hier, ça se peut, que je lui ai demandé, mais c'est,
0: c'est... Peut... c'est pas obligatoire. C'est... Je Elle nous a dit que c'était juste pour manger en dans. En... Mais j'ai pas obligé personne à l'avoir parce que c'est Absolument
2: pas obligé. moi en tout cas. Là. Ben, elle m'a dit qu'elle s'avait fait refuser
0: You know, folks, I don't know about you, but when I visit a Subway sandwich franchise, I'm there to chow down on a tuna sub, assuming that's actually tuna I'm eating. But that's a story for another day. But what I'm not there for is to have some staffer ask me for my papers or a QR code Especially if I'm taking that sandwich to go. But apparently some folks don't know their role. And such was the case at one Subway restaurant in Quebec. In which a sandwich maker reinvented himself as the city's chief medical officer. Picking and choosing (laughs) which customers would receive takeout service based on medical status. What the hell? And joining me now with more on this story is our Quebec-based reporter, Alexa Lavoie. Bonjour. Hello. Hello there, my friend. (laughs) So, Alexa, some of the employees at this particular subway store were acting completely inappropriately. The question is this. Why were they acting in such an inappropriate fashion in the first place?
2: so what i heard like just before i get i went there so i heard that the day before me, i went uh some people had been refused just refused <laughs> to get served because they didn't have their qr code so i was like how outrageous is it i need to go there and i need to see by myself that is real and I asked them, and when they answered to me, because they were curious. <laughs> curious. But
0: it, it, it's none of their business. Now, maybe if they're there for indoor dining, that's one thing, but if it's takeout, if it's uh, delivery, if it's drive through, that person's, that customer's medical status is none of your damn business. So is this a degree of their virtue signaling? They think that they're doing society a favor by making sure everyone's being
2: vaccinated? Is that what we have here, Alexa? So I think some people think that they are, I don't know, superior because they work there. So they think they have the right to ask medical information when they Should not, because it's not legal to ask the medical information if you don't have a reasonable reason to ask for it. And that wasn't reasonable if it was just to pick up a freaking subway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing, uh, Alexa, because of COVID in the last year and a half, um, one of the sectors that has been so brutally hurt is the restaurant business, especially if you run a sit-down type of restaurant, and I know Subway is a bit of sit-down and takeout, but you would think that operators would be hungry uh, for business—no pun intended. You you would think that they'd want to sell as many sandwiches as they could possibly do, and instead they're going, "Well, uh, a sandwich for you, uh, no soup for you," like the soup Nazi from Seinfeld.
2: What gives? <laughs> <laughs> but as i say first of all uh, they still struggle with, to have like customer like since the pandemic like all restaurant takeout place uh, struggle for their income right now mm. uh, they struggle to have people so you you will like uh, wonder why they are doing that on the first day that will actually stop people to go but I think it's not really the business. It's the employee who act not correctly. So my thing, I call the manager and say, what, what are you going to do if your employee doesn't respect the rule and for respecting and protecting your customer of that in the future? you know."
0: And you know what? I, I hope I, I don't want to see anyone lose their job, of course. But I hope that manager, that owner of the franchise, reprimands these employees. At least just lays down the law. Look, if they're here for takeout, it's none of your damn business what their medical history is. And yeah. you know, uh, you know, Subway is a is a huge player in the fast food sector. But I can tell you, Alexa, next time you're in Toronto. I'll drive you around the city. I'll show you McDonald's. I'll show you Tim Hortons that have closed down due to this pandemic. Uh, Mm. This has been so serious. But again, um, last question. I think Alexa, we have a segment out there I call them the COVID Karens, that they want to go beyond the call of duty when it comes to, I don't know, taking all the fun out of going to an event or going to a restaurant. And by that I mean, uh, on Labor Day, the Hamilton Tiger Cats were having their annual Labor Day Classic with the Toronto Argonauts Canadian Football League. And that was Labor Day. The passport, the vaccine passport in Ontario, didn't kick in until September 22nd. And yet to go to that game, the Hamilton Tiger Cats said to their fans, you need to be double jabbed or you don't get a seat. Yet the law was still more than two weeks away. Again, I think... This is self-righteous individuals saying, look how pure we are. We're making sure even beyond government mandates that you get vaccinated. What are your thoughts, my friend?
2: My thought is the day where our primer, uh, premier, sorry, um, say to all the businesses, if you need it for your business and you think it's for the good of your business, go and use it. <laughs> Um that day, everybody was like, that opened the door to anybody who wants to use it to go and use it.
0: Well, so, you know what? And, and if I was in business, I would say uh, not until I'm bloody well have to do it by law. And maybe then even I'm not going to do it because I think this is immoral and unethical. But to jump ahead of the actual mandates, I think that is pathetic and you're doing a disservice to your customers. Alexa, I hope you go back to that subway in the days or weeks ahead. See if the uh, they still have the QR code police asking you for your papers uh, before you get your 12-inch turkey sub. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let, let's see if they've learned a lesson from this report. So thank you so much and you have a great weekend, my friend.
2: I would have it to you that way one for you. (laughs) Okay,
0: thank you. Or whatever that tuna fish is. (laughs) Oh, gosh. And that was Alexa Lavoie in Quebec City. Folks, keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Well, folks, by all accounts, Toronto Police Detective Constable Adrian Gilvesi is a superb cop for the past 11 years. She's done a great job in terms of putting bad guys behind bars and keeping Hogtown safe for its law-abiding citizens. But now Adrian herself is under investigation by the Toronto Police Service. Her alleged crime? Well, she attended last month's Freedom Rally at Queen's Park on her free time and out of uniform. And she spoke her mind. In terms of what it's like to be an ethical member of law enforcement during the COVID-19 <laughs> pandemic, and believe me, the powers that be were not amused. And joining me now is Adrian Galvasi herself. Hey there, how you doing, Adrian?
1: Hey, David. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. You know, Adrian. First of all, I want to thank you for having the courage to be a member of law enforcement and to go out there and speak your mind. Um, I, as far as I can tell, you did nothing wrong, you were out of uniform, you were uh, you were on your own time, you were not on duty. What is the issue uh, in terms of you appearing at that Freedom Rally?
1: I think uh, what it was explained to me was the fact that because I have been out there in the media, um, I was recognizable to be a member of the Toronto Police Service and therefore, um, they believe that I was portraying myself
0: as a criminal. But, and yet, I, I don't think you said anything that was, uh, you know, dishonorable. Um, you know, I think police officers like yourself, and I've spoken to many of them off the record, because I guess, well, they don't want to go through what you're going through. Their message to me is, tackling people who are peaceful protesters in the city square. This is not something they signed up for. And from what you said at the rally, I think you have uh, a similar set of concerns, don't you?
1: Uh, Absolutely, I've um, spoken to many officers from across Canada over the last year and a half um, who share the same sentiments as I. Um, They are afraid to speak out Um, because of the repercussions and reprisals that um, come as a result of speaking out against uh, this.
0: And, Adrian, did you... uh, I mean, if we were to go back in time to September 18th, I believe was the date, um, would you still, knowing what's happened to you right now, would you still have attended that freedom rally? Would you still have uh, spoken publicly? Absolutely. So riddle me this, dear viewers, Detective Constable Adrian Gilvassi is now under internal investigation by the Toronto Police Service simply for speaking her mind at a freedom rally that took place at Queen's Park in September on September 18th. She was out of uniform and her speech was made on her own time. And this is apparently harmful to the reputation of the service according to Toronto Police. Yet going back to the summer of 2020, hundreds of Toronto Police officers, including the chief at the time, took a knee to show solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. And this was done while the officers were in uniform and on duty. (laughs) Incredible. In any event, you had plenty to say about this heaping helping of hypocrisy. Jim Jolie Jack writes, balls of steel, what a rarity. A law enforcement officer with a free mind of her own, a really brave lady. Oh, she is brave, Jim. And it would be a true crime if she was disciplined or terminated for merely speaking her mind on her free time. Agent Zero Red writes, as a Canadian citizen, I'd rather have police officers who feel free to speak their minds than officers who only spout and tout the official message, whatever it happens to be on whatever issue, of their nation's government at all times. The thought that law enforcement is denying the basic civil rights of not only Canadian citizens but of their own members of law enforcement is disgusting and incomprehensible. Oh, I agree, Agent Zero Red. In fact, it makes me bristle whenever I hear law enforcement officers state that old chest you know, I'm just following orders. That phrase kind of reminds me of what certain uniformed personnel were saying in Germany some 85 years ago to justify their actions. Have we not learned anything from those dark days? Old School writes, if she's not in uniform, she's a regular citizen. She can protest. Indeed, Old School, this is the crux of the matter when it comes to freedom of expression. Namely, are citizens on their free time allowed to speak out? Or are we supposed to be slaves to our employers 24-7? Let's hope the investigators cut Adrian some slack here in the name of common decency. She did nothing wrong. And Yaja N. writes, We had a Victoria police officer, an acting senior sergeant here in Australia, go on record in an interview. She resigned immediately after because she knew she'd be in breach of the VicPol policy, where all police members were essentially to remain apolitical, particularly in public. Perhaps there's a similar policy in Canada. I do appreciate this policy being a retired member myself. When working with the public in normal circumstances, our political preferences must have no bearing on serving the community at large. I suppose you could say that about politicians, but that's for another time. I think this global event that goes beyond politics is an exception. Blind obedience. When it is a contravention of human rights, is a crime. Everyone, including the police, must question the acts of barbarism that we're confronted daily for nearly two years now. So, to Adrienne, congratulations on this bravery that is far greater than probably any other bravery she's demonstrated previously. Well said, yaja But again, if the police are to remain apolitical. Then how does one explain their massive show of support the world over for the Black Lives Matter movement last summer? And these officers, as I said earlier, were in uniform and on duty when they bent the knee. So if there is indeed a policy of police officers remaining apolitical, then surely it must be enforced across the board regardless of the issue at hand. But clearly that is not the case these days Indeed, the police brass seems to frown on certain political statements while completely embracing other political statements. Such a so-called policy is not only completely hypocritical, it's also a joke, a joke without a punchline. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.